Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This season is so much fun because there's so much going on and so much movement of people. Yesterday was graduation at Concordia University in Irvine. We've got graduations coming up at Orange Lutheran and Crean Lutheran. We've got graduations coming up here at St. John's at our eighth graders heading to high school and graduation for uh, kindergartners heading into first grade and this afternoon our preschool thing, which is just phenomenal. The kids are amazing and they're going from the little school here, the preschool to the big person school just across the fence. And they're fired up and ready to go. They'll have their hair pasted down and they'll be all ready to go. And it's just such a season of movement. And for those of us who maybe had our last commencement a number of years ago, we remember how that feels. You sit and you listen to a long, boring speaker and, and they shake your hand, they give you a piece of paper and they say, here you go, you're ready. Ready for what? I'm not sure, but you're ready. 32 years ago, I graduated from Concordia Seminary in St. Louis in May of 1991. They gave me a piece of paper that was in Latin. They gave me an English translation, and they said, you're ready to go be a pastor. And I thought, you're right. I am the most wise, most brilliant, most articulate young graduate in the history of Concordia Seminary. Then you get out in the real world a little bit, and you realize that people really don't care how much you know or where your degree came from or what your grade point average was, but they care that you can do the job. 32 years ago, my son is 32. At that point, he was two months old, smaller than our little baptismal children. I was young and had a lot more hair. It's a lot skinnier. Well, not too much, but some. I was filled with idealism and exuberance. And now some of that has been tempered with wisdom and experience. I would have never thought 32 years ago that preaching on John chapter 14 would be the least bit controversial. You'd stand up and, and, and you'd come to this marvelous piece of, of Scripture where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And you put your shoulders back and your chest out and you smile and you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have never bet 32 years later that the culture and the society would go, no, no, no. Truth? What's truth? You have an answer for truth. You think you have a corner on the truth. You think you understand the truth. No, no. Jesus said it. Jesus is the truth. Right. Jesus is the truth for you. That's what you believe. That's what you build your life on. You just hush up as I build my life on what is truth for me. A lot has changed in those 32 years. Maybe our hearts are troubled by that a little bit. Maybe there's something bubbling in your heart a little bit, and you're saying, yeah, I'd go back to easier days, Pastor Tim. I'm with you. But God doesn't provide that option of going back. Rather, through faith in Jesus Christ and with hope in the promises of God, we press on. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. He's looking at those disciples saying, it's graduation day, fellas, or we're, we're almost out of here. And they're like, what are you talking about? Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm leaving. And they're like, okay, show us the way. 
Well, I'm going to the Father. Well, show us the Father, Philip says. That'll be enough. <laughs> Jesus kind of, like, like with Nicodemus, he's like, like squinching his nose and going, you guys have been following me for three years and this is the, this is the best you can do? So Jesus speaks to them with love and grace and kindness. Everything he had done, everything he had built his life up to do was now being executed, was now going forward. Now it's all going to get real, real. The shadowy things he'd spoke of are going to come into clarity and focus. The disciples were about to go through the most difficult weekend of their lives. Friday night, they'd see Jesus on the cross, an experience of peace in which Jesus would draw all of humankind to himself. And then on Sunday morning, a couple of them would go to the tomb, and all of them would know that Jesus had risen from the dead. And on Friday, it would be hurting and troubled hearts, and on Sunday morning, there would be exuberance and life. And then as life kind of went out and did its things, as Jesus was proven right, proven that what his claims were true about rising from the dead, well, then he would bring to them life and immortality. But in the meantime, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. I could finish the message right there. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Relax. It's interesting how that comment touches the heart this morning and in this season. Is there something on your heart? Is there something in our collective hearts that's kind of bubbling this morning? Is there a kind of a sense of foreboding? Is there something that's got you bothered, affecting your sleep, your mental equilibrium? Is there something in your relationships? Is there something that you're personally wrestling with that you're saying, man, pastor, if you push just a little harder, I'm going to be in tears or I'm going to be angry. Just mellow out. Individually, maybe like that, right? Just press a little bit. What about our nation? What about corporately? It seems like there's so much up for grabs right now by way of truth. We wrestle with truth. Is there absolute truth? Do you believe in absolute truth? Do you believe that you can put your foot down and believe that where you put your foot down and what you invest your heart in is going to be real, that it's going to be lasting? That there's somehow a way of peace for your heart where your heart is not troubled? Or is Christianity just kind of a, 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 a sticker and you put the sticker in the book and it's all good and you open the book once a week and you get your stickers and everything's fine? Or is Christianity and Jesus the truth? We live in a culture that's struggling to find truth. We're trying to redefine things according to truth for me, what I think, what I feel, what I understand, what I experience, and we're recategorizing things like gender and sex, marriage and family and life and the meaning of life, and we're recategorizing that in a way that's relative to me rather than driven by the word and promise of God. The very foundations of life in human meaning are kind of being rattled under our feet. I think a lot about that. I think deeply about that. Pontius Pilate looked at Jesus and speaking of truth, he said, what is truth anyway? 
Truth is what we build our lives on. Truth is reliable. Truth is integrity to it. Truth allows you to put your life and invest your life in something that will last rather than something that is fleeting. Paul, in his commencement letter to his young intern, Timothy, wrote these words in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So many voices of deception and confusion. How do you land it? Where do you put your feet? How do you invest your life? What does it look like to to, to let your heart be calm a little bit? What is it that takes away the troubled feelings of the human heart? I wish they would have given me with my graduation certificate a, a, a timeline of my life. You know what, Tim, in 1991, you're going to Faith Lutheran Church in Chippewa Falls. You're going to do immediately out to shoot a national youth gathering. You're going to wreck the snowblower one morning. You're going to on and on and on, right? And in November of 1992, you're going to get a call to come to St. John's in Orange. And you're going to take it and you're going to go. You're going to take this little baby and this beautiful little wife, and you're going to move to Southern California. You're going to move home. Oh, Okay. But there was no attachment to my diploma that said one, two, three, four. And you know as well as I do that those decisions and moments in life create troubled hearts. Try to figure it out. Try to put this and that and this in a place and then live your life and connect the pieces in a way that makes sense so your heart is not troubled. So we live by faith and confidence in Jesus rather than the reason, the sight, all of the events of the world which are very, very transient. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And then he begins to teach these guys. Just love it. Jesus, 33 years old, sitting with a bunch of 16, 17, 18-year-old guys, maybe mid-20s, but young men who are hungry and trying to figure it out. Jesus said, you trust in God, trust also in me. Then he speaks of heaven and making rooms and mansions. And then he says, I'm going to go, and then I'm going to come back and get you, that you can be where I am. And then they talk, as people do, trying to figure it out. Their hearts are troubled. Jesus says, don't be nervous. They're even more nervous. Where are you going? How do we get there? Jesus, we've invested so much in you. Our whole lives have have been staked to the claims that you've made. And now you're leaving? You've tracked everybody off who could get us. The religious leaders hate you. The politicians hate you. And when you go, that hatred and that persecution will be delivered to us. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Are you insane? And so Jesus teaches those marvelous words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We don't know the way, Thomas says. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says the truth as opposed to those who are deceiving and being deceived. Jesus, the truth, sealed in the events just celebrated for us on Easter. The truth of the cross, the truth of the resurrection, the truth of Jesus being our linkage to God. 
The truth is that Jesus is the love of God for you and me. Everything prophesied of Jesus happened. It's the truth. Everything he said, he did. Truth. He did what he said, and he said what he meant. So believe in him. Put your faith in Jesus. His record is over 2,000 years of truth. And he's not been defeated and put away just quite yet. Jesus the truth, meaning that he operates with complete reliability. He operates with complete integrity. Jesus the truth doesn't step out of character one day saying, you know what, I love you, and the next day saying, I'm going to mess with you. It doesn't work that way. Jesus operates with complete reliability and integrity. That's the truth. He doesn't ever change the way he's going to do things and decide to put it on you. His character is defined by showing love and mercy to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. That's the truth. Not deceiving and being deceived. Jesus doesn't tell you what you want to hear and then pull the rug out from underneath you. But his love is so real and so consistent, so reliable that you can invest your whole life in Jesus. For us to be in Christ is to be in truth. We recognize that those who speak evil and sow deception are from the evil one, but rather we, we are in Christ. So do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I've sat through so many graduations, and I'll, I'll never forget the one at Azusa Pacific for my daughter where the speaker got into it, and he went so long that finally the president had to come behind him, push him, and say, Mr. McPherson, we're done now. <laughs> it was raining, and it was gray, and it was miserable outside. To tell you the truth, I've spoken at graduations, and I've sat at them. I don't remember what I said, and I don't remember what anyone else said. When you're a kid and when, when you're waiting for your kid to, to, to go through, you're waiting for the name to be said and to shake their hand and go, oh, oh, that's so cool. All that money, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and look at that, they got a degree in. But every commencement is a new beginning. As soon as they walk off that stage, whether it's a little person moving into a little bigger challenge or a college graduate moving into an enormous challenge, commencements are an end of one season of life and then a big door into the next more expansive season of life. And that's what's fun to celebrate, that they've made it through a piece of their education. They get to dress up, get a piece of paper, but even more get slapped on the back and said, you've done a good job. But then there's more roads to go down. The new challenges are before them. And they start down the next segment, the next path of their life. I never got a roadmap, as I mentioned, or a timeline for my life. And there's things that I thought that God pulled the trigger on too early and things that I wish now God would pull the trigger on like this, but it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. But three things to think about if your heart is troubled and you're struggling a little bit, here's three things to calm that troubled spirit. First, the words of Jesus from John 14, verse 1, believe in Him. Simple. 
believe in Jesus. Trust in God, Jesus says. Trust also in me. Believe. Remind yourself of that when you listen to the deceivers. Be reminded that Jesus doesn't just represent the truth. Jesus is the truth. He is consistent. He is in charge. And he is with you. You are sealed to the cross. You are sealed to the resurrection in the promise of your baptism. Believe in Jesus and there's a calming of our heart and spirit. Without Jesus, it's like going out on thin ice. With Him, it's having a marvelous rock foundation upon which you can build your life. First, believe in Jesus. Secondly, live out the truth of the Word of God. Since Jesus is truth, His ways are true, then live out His ways. And that brings a sense of rootedness. A sense that you can withstand all of the deceivers and all of the deception and all of the stupid stuff that goes on because you're rooted into something that's imminently grander, imminently longer lasting and eternal and something that's proven itself for over 2,000 years. You are tied to Jesus and to truth and that truth is eternal. Raise your children, live your life, have your family, run your business, operate your thoughts and behaviors according to the word and promise of the truth of the word of God. And your heart will calm down. Your heart will not be troubled. And thirdly, recall the word and promise of the Lord about fear. This is one for me that I've got to be reminded. When I start sitting at the TV and watching the Lakers, which I haven't done for a whole generation about, basketball means nothing to me right now, but it was fun to watch them play yesterday. But I play as I'm scrolling through a Twitter feed or, or, or looking at Instagram stuff. And Realize the Bible says 366 times, do not be afraid. One for every day of the year and even one for a leap year. As I'm scrolling through the anxiety of social media, I'm reminded that God is faithful. Faithful to us, His people. Deceivers come and go, and that's just the way it is. But the staying power of Jesus, the truth, goes back a long, long way. Sometimes I need to close my eyes, go back through my life and the pathway God has led me on and nod my head and say, I remember when I was so afraid. And I remember when my heart was so troubled and I came back to that word and promise of God and Jesus took away that fear with the truth of his presence for me. Be reminded that God is faithful. Look at that history. Jesus is truth. Reliable, demonstrable, life-giving, heart-calming truth. In the name of Jesus, amen. <laughs>